The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Well, the quarter poll of what a normal NFL season pre-2021 has come upon us. Four games in. I don't like, have I mentioned recently that I don't like 17 game seasons? It's nice and even. At 16, it's a little bit like the volume on my radio or my television. Everything either has to be a multiple of five or at least an even number. So things that ended one, three, seven, or nine, the OCD starts to kick in a little bit. Volume can't be at 19. Make it 18, make it 20, that's fine, but not at 19. Not 17, not 13 not 11, and no other numbers that end in those digits. And then the NFL had to go and add a 17th game. And I'm starting to think they did it just to annoy me. That seems reasonable, considering the other things that they have historically done. They're just out to get Bruce. I don't know what to tell you. But because it is four games into the year, I am doing what I promised. And that's we're going to have a quarter cup of stew. Today, I took the time to calculate QB stew, covering the first four games of the 2021 regular season for 33 individual quarterbacks. And we're going to be going over that today. But we've got a game to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. The Buffalo Bills shut out another team. Two shutouts in four weeks. That's pretty impressive. Not going to lie. And there were some narratives to come out of that game. So we're going to talk about them. The first thing I want to talk about is the offensive line shakeup. We saw Daryl Williams kick to right guard. 
we saw Spencer Brown inserted as the right tackle. And then there was a change at left guard due to injury. John Feliciano was out. Ike Butker was in. I had mentioned on social media that although it had been common occurrence for Daryl Williams to kick over potentially to left guard, I didn't think that that was going to happen. And I was right that he didn't kick over to left guard to replace John Feliciano during his injury. Instead, they made a completely unnecessary move that was not driven by injury, and they benched Cody Ford. So, what does this mean for the offensive line moving forward? Number one, I do think you're going to see it again. I think you'll see that lineup again. Only John Feliciano will come back to take his place at left guard over Ike Butker. And I think this is a bad sign. For Cody Ford, we have been tracking Cody Ford's progress over the course of the last three games with the breakout watch segment we do on this podcast. And week one, we said there's a possibility he was the best offensive lineman on the team. And then week two was eh. And then week three, eh, he didn't play very well. Maybe the Bills have seen enough there. But I've got a take here. And I mentioned this on social media. I think there's a reasonable chance that Daryl Williams and John Feliciano are both not on this team. Week 1, 2022. One of the things that Brandon Bean has historically said is that when you have younger players and you can move on from higher-priced vets, that's something that you keep in mind. And so you need to have flexible contracts with those priced vets. John Feliciano's deal can be very easily gotten out of after this year. Daryl Williams, not quite as easy, but still fairly painless when it comes to getting out of Daryl Williams's deal. And if he's going to be a right guard and he's not going to play at the level he played at in 2020, then that might not be a positive value proposition for the team. Because your next question is going to be, how did he play? And the answer was, in the run game, he was good. In the run game, Daryl Williams and Spencer Brown on the right side were really good. We'll get to Spencer Brown in a second. In the pass game, not quite as good. The stuff happens a lot faster inside and not quite as good. One of the ironic things is that when Cody Ford was coming out and the Buffalo Bills decided that he was a tackle, I had previously gone on record as saying, hey, I think he's a guard. One of the reasons that I thought they might think Cody Ford is a tackle is because Cody Ford's scouting report reads a lot like Daryl Williams' scouting report. And they had seen Daryl Williams operate at a high level in Carolina. So they might think, hey, we can go get another Daryl Williams in Cody Ford. So that's ironic that Daryl Williams would now take Cody Ford's spot at guard. When I had mentioned previously, hey, maybe one of the reasons they think he's a tackle is because of their experience with Daryl Williams. But he wasn't super good in the past game. So it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. It's one of the reasons why we talked about this previous offseason, interior offensive line being something that a lot of people wanted to see addressed, is because we knew that there was stuff like this potentially coming down the road, and now that stuff is here. It's probably going to be a storyline moving forward. One of the contributing factors to it being a storyline moving forward is the play of Spencer Brown. I don't think you can take him out of the lineup. I really don't. Went back, watched him again absolutely looks like a natural there. Now, I know there's going to be an elite pass rusher that comes off the offense's right side that will probably make him look silly at some point. But much like Gregory Rousseau, 
the traits show up immediately. Sometimes experience or lack of experience can either accentuate or muffle the traits that you have as a player because you have them, but you haven't learned how to properly deploy them yet. So you might have a trait like length, for example, you can have one of those and that's a great trait to have. But if you don't have the experience or the knowledge or the coaching to be able to deploy the trait correctly, it doesn't really matter. Arm length is great. Having arm length is great. Having long arms is better than having short arms when it comes to offensive and defensive line play. If you're not firing your hands at the right time, if you're keeping your hands really, really high all the time coming out of your stance, then what does it really matter? You're not utilizing them effectively. But go back and watch Spencer Brown. He's smooth out of his stance, keeps his hands low, knows when to engage. Once he locks in on you in the run game, it's it's pretty much over. It was an impressive showing. Now, it was against the Texans. You know, Charles Amenahue and company. Whitney Merciless alongside him. Not exactly what you would call the purple people eaters. But an impressive showing nonetheless. On the opposite side of the ball, Boogie Basham made his debut. He was okay. I know that getting the first sack is going to be very exciting, but I thought he was okay. He did fine. There was nothing that was jumping off the tape to me with Boogie Basham in regards to, wow, this guy cannot be inactive anymore. He absolutely has to be active every single week. I don't think that's the case. I think there's a very reasonable case to be made that a healthy F.A. Obata is still a better option for this team than Boogie Basham right now. However, it was good to see him get some snaps under his belt. He played hard. And the sack was a good play of staying at it. It was obviously a long time to throw level sack. But active hands got him up, stayed square, made the tackle. It was good. Moving on to breakout watch. Ford, Knox, Edmonds, Oliver. Ford, we know, got benched. Not only was he considered not to be one of the starting five, he wasn't the sixth man because Ike Butker came off the bench to replace John Feliciano. So they said after the game, we still believe in Cody Ford, but it's not looking good for Cody Ford long term. Dawson Knox continues to be a solid tight end. And that's all you can ask of Dawson Knox. One of the things that I wanted to point out this week is one of the things you'll notice is the belief in Dawson Knox is increasing. How do I know this? They're manufacturing touches for him now. They're doing things to get the ball in Dawson Knox's hands last week that they hadn't done to the same degree in previous games and previous weeks. He's earning their trust as a target where, hey, we need to make sure that we set something up for Dawson Knox here, get the ball in his hands, let him power through somebody. I think he can get us this conversion. And that's important to note. Tremaine Edmonds had a very good game. People are going to talk about the interception. I don't even think the interception was the third best play that Tremaine Edmonds made on Sunday. He was very good. Happy to see it. Ed Oliver continues strong showing. So of the four that we've been keeping an eye on, one of them is not looking too good, which is Cody Ford. The other three, trending in a positive direction. 
We're going to do plurality pie, and then we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to do QB stew. The plurality pie for this week, Trey White, 22%. Why is Trey White at the top here? Because the only card the Texans had was Brandon Cooks. That was the card they had to play. And coming into this game, he had consistently been a producer for the Houston Texans. Trey White did a really, really good job against Brandon Cooks. Much to the dismay of every fantasy manager who thought, well, at least I can count on this one thing. There's really nothing else on the Houston Texans offense to count on, but at least I can count on him. Nope. Trey White did a great job. I think he was significantly responsible for the shutout. Stephon Diggs, 18%. You knew the breakout was coming from Stephon Diggs. And he had had perfectly reasonable games up to this point. But seven catches, 114 yards. Stephon Diggs never really left in case there was a concern that somehow last year was going to be fluky. It wasn't. Stephon Diggs is still a really, really, really good player. And I'm going to be pounding the table frequently this offseason for the Buffalo Bills to extend Stephon Diggs, even if they have to make cuts like the aforementioned Daryl Williams and John Feliciano to afford to be able to do it. Tremaine Evans, 14%, already discussed. Since the game, he has been named AFC Defensive Player of the Week, which has never happened to Tremaine Evans before. Happy for him. Josh Allen, 14%. Not as good as the Washington football team game, but also happened in a rainstorm. So you have to take that into consideration. Perfectly reasonable game. I would say good, strong game from Josh Allen. Other 32%. Trey White, 22%. Stephon Diggs, 18%. Tremaine Edmonds, 14%. Josh Allen, 14%. Other 32%. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. Let's see where Josh Allen is in the QB stew rankings. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We have been talking about the Buffalo Bills shutout victory over the Houston Texans, but since we are four games into the season, it's time for the first update of QB Stew, a quarter cup of QB Stew, as it were, for the uninitiated QB Stew is a composite that takes the rankings of a quarterback's QBR, passer rating, average net yards per attempt, EPA per play, DVOA, PFF grade, CPOE. It takes a composite of these things and brings an average of a ranking. Last year, Josh Allen was number two in QB Stew behind only Aaron Rodgers. I created this if you need to know a heads up on how I created this. Go back to the Thanksgiving episode from 2020, and I can explain it in depth there as to why I picked each individual metric, what it means, and how I arrived at these conclusions. Josh Allen is 19th right now in QB Stew. His QB Stew is 18.29. He is 16th in QBR, 17th in passer rating, 16th in average net yards per attempt, 15th in EPA per play, 19th in DVOA, 21st in PFF grade, and 24th in CPOE. All fairly consistent. When you see an outlier one way or another, that can usually tell you something notable 
about qualitatively the way he's playing. But in this case, all of those grades are fairly consistent. Each one is intended to be a fairly holistic view on how the quarterback is playing. And all of them say he's been fine so far this year. Now, reminder that two of the four-game sample size were not good Josh Allen games. Pittsburgh was not good. Miami was not good. This is just a quantitative backing of what we already knew qualitatively to be true, which is that the first two games of this year were not good for Josh Allen. That's not shocking for anybody. You listen to the podcast, you heard, you watch the games, you know. But from a metric standpoint, Josh Allen, 19th. Here is the list in totality right now from best to worst. Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Taylor Heineke, Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Fields, Ben Roethlisberger, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Davis Mills. Some things that are interesting on here. Tannehill and Mayfield, both being below average, I think is interesting. Tannehill was a top 10 quarterback by Stu last year. Matt Ryan being low adds some further credence to the idea that maybe the Falcons should have taken a quarterback when they were there. Daniel Jones being fairly high, I think is really flying under the radar because of how people are jumping on Joe Judge and the Giants. But Daniel Jones is playing fairly well. I think that if you ended the year with Daniel Jones playing as well as he is playing right now, there would be some, okay, maybe he were fine with him. Maybe he can be the guy coming out of the New York Giants. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater being in between Matt Stafford and Dak Prescott is fantastic. What a great start for him. Now, that was a great start with the Broncos, and a lot of the discussions were, well, who have they played? And early in the season, the thing that is part of this composite that accounts for the teams you played, which is DVOA, isn't quite as accurate because we don't have data on the teams you played. So later on in the year, it'll be very interesting for me to see what happens to Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I don't know how long he's going to be out with the concussion, but that's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward. QB Stew did a great job of predicting the NFL MVP in Aaron Rodgers last year. So all of that MVP Kyler Murray discussion looks like it's fairly justified to me. Kyler Murray is third in QBR, fifth in passer rating, fourth in average net yards per attempt, third in EPA per play, sixth in DVOA, third in PFF grade, and first in CPOE. He's number one in Stu at 3.5. Having a great year. Having a really, really, really good year. Looks like it's justified to me. I don't think anybody's shocked by Ben Roethlisberger being as low as he is. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Carson Wentz actually moved up by quite a good bit because he was probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. So him being right there between Mac Jones and Baker Mayfield is a step forward. Maybe some optimism there for Colts fans. Taylor Heineke being as high as he is, even though he had a disastrous game against the Bills, 
he played really, really well against the Falcons. So that helps. He didn't have quite the extended lows that other people have had that kind of pulled them down the list. We're going to keep an eye on this. We're going to do it again after eight games. We'll do it again after 12, and then we'll do it again after 17. So we'll go four, 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 five, because it takes a while for me to compile all of it. But you can follow me on Twitter, at Bruce Exclusive. You can see when I drop the stew composites, and we're going to keep an eye on it moving forward. I would expect Josh Allen to jump here in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did QB stew. We did plurality pie. We did some narratives. Thanks for coming out. And until next time, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.